Hi, I'm Liz Stokel. And I'm Debbie Rude. We're Dancing with Skeletons. We know what it's like to keep our past hidden away, like skeletons in a closet. We also know the healing that comes from acknowledging who we used to be and how much we've learned. So every once in a while, we dance with our skeletons. So come dance with us. Hey, Debbie. Hi, Liz. <laughs> We're just laughing because there's always a little tiny glitch right at the beginning and it's, the little tiny... The There's a learning curve. Yeah, well, it's the computer <laughs> operator over here who's having issues. <laughs> uh, that's okay. It makes us laugh. It lightens it, the mood. It does. And we need some mood lightening. <laughs> we do. So we decided to kind of get out of our routine and, and, and the rhythm that's, that's happening right now and talk real quickly about the upcoming election. Yeah. And so we're kind of going to rush this episode in. We're going to release it as an extra episode outside of our regular rotation um, because we, we just really want to encourage people um, not to vote for a specific candidate, but to think about how this election has affected how we treat one another. I think that's a perfect way to, to enter into this conversation. Yeah. So yeah. what are some things that you that are really on your heart? I, I think the biggest thing, Liz, is that um, this election and this last year, I mean, you know, obviously COVID has created havoc amongst us, but I think this election... I think we all recognize, I don't think this is anything new, that our nation is pretty polarized. Mm -hmm. There's some, there, it's a pretty uh, thick line of us and them kind of thinking that's really prevalent with everybody. I mean, and it's, it's tr it troubles me to the point where <laughs> I've had nights where, honestly, it's kept me awake because... Mm -hmm. I think at the core of who I am, you know, I'm just sort of this big kid that just wants everybody to get along. And why can't we all get along? <laughs> you know, why can't yeah. we all just love each other? And but I mean, at the end of the day, that really is who I am. And, and I and I see so much hate and so much. Uh, Vitriol. Yes. Yeah. Yes. And so I think. I would love to see people be able to come to the table and have a conversation. And I would love to see people recognize in their own heart that they were born into a certain family. They have certain experiences. We all have hurts and pains. We all see life through our little lenses of our life and our experiences and what our parents taught us and what we learned at the church that we went to or didn't go to or whatever. Mm -hmm. right. But we all come to kind of this place of adulthood of we have all these experiences and they all make up and kind of create our value system. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, what, how can I look at my own values and be able to recognize that somebody else might have other kind of values that I may disagree with, but how can I look at those and be able to try to at least understand I don't have to agree, 
but I want to understand so mm-hmm. that I can not be so fearful of other people's opinions and other people who are different than me or whatever. Yeah. And I feel like what's happening in our country right now is you've just got this, you're either on this side or this side and there's nothing in between. And really, I feel like the truth of everything in life is kind of there's a middle ground. There's mm-hmm. truth in both sides of the political parties. There's Absolutely. There's truth. And so especially as women of faith, which I we really both are, and it's really important to us that that clouds are the way we get through life is through our faith. And so how do we look at that maybe differently? And what's happening in our church? And I don't know, that, that yeah. that's a lot, but... That is a lot. Uh, you know, I mean, the bottom line is really... Um, if if you're Christian, what I see a lot is I see Christianity and nationalism has kind of become very dangerously intertwined. It has. To the point where you kind of can't tell where one begins and where the other one ends. And being an American is absolutely positively an incredible privilege. The fact that many of us were born here and we have this birthright just by the mere chance that we were born here rather than in some other country is an extreme privilege. And I know that there are people who have been born in Australia and Canada and China and Japan and all these other Africa. I mean, I've been to Africa a few times and they have so much love for their birthplace, mm-hmm. for where they've come from. Yeah. And their roots. Absolutely. And so having um, a, a real connection to your birthplace, to your home, is natural is good. Yes. Um, it's expected. Um, but when you start getting that all intertwined with faith and believing that if you don't have a certain faith, that you then are not a good American. Right. You're then not. I think that that's where we have entered into so much trouble. Um, we have lived under this fallacy that America was founded as a Christian nation Mm -hmm. with Christian values. It's not true. It's not true. Because think about why our our founding fathers wanted to start a, a, a new nation. In the beginning, the taxes, even the taxes were being sent to King George over in England because we were still wrapped up with England with England yeah, and yeah. our you know national uh, nationalism if you will was kind of tied up with England but England had a you know the church of England there was a specific religion a, a specific expectation for when you went to church and where you went to church and it was all intertwined and it was all intertwined the government and the religion was all intertwined and so that was something that this that our founding fathers wanted to avoid exactly in this experiment that is the United States of America. Exactly. And so we were founded as a country with freedom from and freedom of religion. So of means we can practice whatever we choose, go to church whenever, wherever we want, and hopefully not have any kind of government intervention in keeping us from doing that. We have the freedom to do that. Exactly. COVID has created this 
you know, you're not, we can't go to church because they're trying to stop us from doing that. But considering this is a global pandemic, I don't buy into that. Um, Agreed. Yeah. So we, so, so we have the freedom to worship where and how we want. We also have the freedom to not worship to be free from religious intervention. Exactly and right. so what, I mean, what does that look like? How, do, how is that different to freedom of and freedom from? Can you kind well, of? Well, there's a lot of people who aren't, I'll say, aren't religious. They don't necessarily adhere or subscribe to a particular religion. There might They might be spiritual people right. who are spiritually seeking people, but they don't necessarily want to be a part of any kind of organized religious group or sect or, you know, whatever. Right. And, and so... Those people, I mean, I personally know many, many, many people like that who mm-hmm. are, you know, and I think that sometimes people who are considered not a, a religious person get marginalized. In Atheists, some, heathens, uh-huh. you know, I, yeah. I know people who call themselves a heathen. Yeah, exactly. And they feel marginalized. They do. And that is not fair. No, and, and like you were just saying, this country... I don't know how it got in everyone's mind that we were were this all the founding fathers were Christians because they, they weren't. They were spiritual guys. Now, you know, I don't know. And there were deists. Of, yeah, there were Christians. There were atheists. And um, but just because our founding documents say, you know, something about our Creator, endowed by our Creator with un- inalienable rights, that language can speak to all different kind of religions. Most religions believe that there's some kind of Creator, Correct. and it's not just Christianity yeah. that believes that there is a Creator. Right. And and so it's like but I don't know how it got so twisted up. Yeah, I don't know. In, in, into this thing that you you if you're not a Christian and if you don't then then somehow you're not in the club. Yeah. You know? I mean, I do know <laughs> that if you look back over history like in the late 70s, I know that Jerry Falwell Sr. and um Phyllis Schlafly yeah. kind of came together as these two powerhouse people. Uh, uh Jerry Falwell Sr. is part of the Evangelical Christian Church and Phyllis Schlafly was, was a Catholic and um she was anti ERA very much so very because she felt like the women's right movements was going to take women out of the home right. and take away our rights to be a stay-at-home mom which is funny because she was out of the home. I know she worked. She was she was home. working outside of the home a lot. She went back to college. She was like, so I huh? I, I know. I don't. I know. She was a little bit. Uh, she was complicated. Yeah, in, she was very complicated in, in that regard because she was fighting for women to be in the home, and but yet she was out campaigning and doing all this stuff. So, yeah. but they know. came together. I mean, I remember. I, I might have mentioned this even on this podcast. I don't. I don't remember. But I do. As a child, you know, I was taught that the Catholic Church was were not the good guys right and uh that even a pope would end up being the antichrist i, I mean I, you know. I watched some movie in like campus 
you know, or Youth for Christ or something that was totally about that. Right. You know. So there was this um, division between Christians and Catholics, but those two leaders wanted to see a, they, they called themselves, of course, the, the moral majority, and they wanted to see um, our Republican uh, leadership get elected in 1980, which was Ronald Reagan. And so they came together to figure out how to mobilize these two groups. Mm-hmm. And the thing that they used to mobilize these two groups was abortion. Yeah. Because the Catholics were... Of course, they've always been anti-abortion, at least to yeah. my knowledge. It's kind of been a part of their it, faith yeah. and their platform. Christians, on the other hand, you know, many people may not know this or remember this, but abortion was really not on the radar of the average Christian church. No, not until, like you say, not until the 80s. Yeah. And then all of a sudden, it became a part of their radar. And so they joined forces. They formed the moral majority. They um, got Ronald Reagan elected. Here's the interesting thing, is that Ronald Reagan, as governor of the state of California, had the most liberal abortion laws in the country. I didn't know that. Yeah, the most liberal. And so the fact that they were able to kind of, you know, manipulate him and get him to talk about, mm-hmm. you know, abortion and how we're going to, you know, we need to rise up for the unborn and we're pro-life. Um, and yet that term pro-life has confounded me. Because at the same time, Ronald Reagan was talking about um, and telling a false narrative about welfare moms who took advantage of the system. Right. And what he said publicly has actually been debunked about some welfare mom who, like, claimed that she had 16 kids or something. I mean, it was some exaggerated story. Yeah, yeah. And so this was a way to get rid of welfare and and also uh, get rid of abortion or to raise the awareness um, about abortion. Mm-hmm. So I began probably about that time it was it was probably in the late 80s actually when I began to kind of ask what what pro-life actually meant. Mm-hmm. Is pro-life meaning pro-unborn? Right. Or does it mean pro-life from birth to death? Right. And and that has been something that I've been struggling with. I I know that Jesus never mentioned homosexuality or abortion. Absolutely not. And yet there are over 2,000 scriptures asking us to care for the poor, the indigent, the strangers in your land, the marginalized, the marginalized, the, the mm-hmm. people with uh, physical disabilities and and uh, emotional problems. It, it we are called to serve um, the marginalized, and if he never mentioned abortion or um, homosexuality, why is it that those two things have become such? a strong foundation on which people have built both their faith and a, a, 
a the Republican Party, but Mm -hmm. a political party of any kind. Right. Why has that happened? You know, I've listened to, in the last couple months, I've probably listened to 30 or something different podcasts and different people talking on all sides of these arguments. Right. Just to try to educate myself, you know. And there are a lot of really, really good, you know, people who are much smarter than myself who who have really interesting ideas about why there has been this shift and you know i just think that first of all as christians you know the the number one thing we're called to do is to love people right you know i mean completely just love them unconditionally bottom line is is and and i don't know why and I really, really don't. I mean, again, it, I cried myself to sleep. I've sat at the kitchen table with my husband and cried because I just don't get how it seems like it's been so skewed, the message of love, and that only only if you act and behave in, in like A, B, and C and you're in this little box, then you're in the club and God loves you. But if you're out of it, forget you. Right. And I, I just... I don't buy that anymore. I just don't think that that's, I just don't think that that's what it is about. It's not about a political party. It's not about politics. I mean, our country, we have to have politics in our country. We have Mm -hmm. to have a society with laws and rules and that people can, you know, function and, you know, infrastructures need to be taken care of and our roads and taxes, all those things need to be there and we we need our government for that but the government I don't believe the government is supposed to legislate everybody's behavior Mm-mm. and I don't I, I don't I don't think it's meant to be like that and it's definitely not meant to be the, that way uh, from a place of coming from a place of fear right you know we have fear mongering from both sides from both sides if you vote for this candidate this is going to happen are you ready for that i know my husband had posted something on facebook that was you know just kind of saying hey why was this said what what is the deal and somebody comes back and says i suppose you want babies killed um, after they're born you're all for that right and my husband is like, that is that is not what I said. Why would you make that leap? Right. I, I didn't say that. And that's the kind of vitriol that we have. If you feel like this, then you must also, if you're for this, then you, then you must, must be against right. that. So how do we how do we get people to stop? Just stop and and just be quiet for a minute and just listen to what the creator might be saying and how do we you had said earlier before we started and I liked it strengthen our empathy muscles how do we stop Liz and and listen to each other and not be so fighting and I'm on this side and you're on that and uh, you know I mean I I don't know what the answer is I don't I guess for me the best thing that I can do is is be those things myself. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, I have friends and people in my family that have differing views than myself. And I've and I've really tried to honestly engage with them 
and and have a conversation instead of well you think this and I you know mm-hmm. like right. really try to understand well you know and if if you are for those people who are of the Christian faith tradition um, you probably know the teachings of Jesus and Jesus was great at um, calling out mm-hmm. hypocrisy mm-hmm. he was he called out the Pharisees he he, he did. wasn't afraid nope and yet when he had opportunities to to heal and to love and to serve he also took those and so I think that we will all be better received if we are seen as consistent. Mm-hmm. In other words, we call out hypocrisy when we mm-hmm. see it, but we also do our very best to not be hypocritical. Exactly. Um, and if somebody says, hey, you're, you're being a hypocrite, you know, say, oh my gosh, you know what? You are, you are totally right. I am being a hypocrite. And let me back up and let me look again. And so don't be so sensitive and emotional about everything, but rather just, you know, just take a step back. Yeah, be open to maybe having your mind changed or shifted Mm -hmm. or, you know, Mm -hmm. I, I was listening to a... I can't remember what it's called because it was the first day, but I, I have, I'm listening to these lessons and, and the guy who was talking, he called Jesus an enlightened activist. <laughs> he's an enlight, he's, you know, this enlightened guy who was like this activist. And I thought, you know what? I mean, he was, he was on the one hand, he was this lover of humanity. Yeah. And on the other hand, he was an activist Absolutely. and he was out there, you know, and he was shaking things up. And and like you just said, he wasn't afraid to call things out. And I need to be called out. If I'm thinking something that isn't in line with my creator and the, you know, the love of my life, then I, I want to know. Well, and that's how we grow. (laughs) That's how we change from the minute we're born. Mm -hmm. We are, you know, uh, spanked or, um, you know, put in the corner or where, you know, we definitely have um, somebody in our lives whose job it is, is to grow us up. And, and, you know, back in the day there were spankings, but, um, you know, but but today, you know, there's less of that, um, which is great. Um, But the whole idea idea is that when you do something wrong, you are loved enough right. to to have you to teach you to stop that. Well so if you're doing something that's gonna hurt you or you're doing something that's gonna grow you up to be a less good person, mm-hmm. then you would get punishment from your parents. Right. And that that doesn't mean that there's less love. Right. Well I was gonna say, you know, I I don't I don't want to be in fear of being wrong, you know, like, I mean, like a good parent, the the kids aren't, I mean, maybe there's a a certain amount of healthy fear. I mean, but I would call it respect, but they're not walking around afraid to make a mistake, afraid to make a mistake. And, and if I'm an honestly seeking person that I really am spiritually seeking and I want to be on that path of love then I need to be open to 
the fact that I might have an idea or something that needs to be shifted and maybe looked at differently. And to not be afraid of that, but to be open to having a shift in your reality, because that's how we grow. We're, we're, you know, we're, we're, we're supposed to be growing and changing and, And and not stuck in a little box, and so stuck in our ways, and you know. exactly. So let me give you a couple of practical um, experiences that my family has been through to kind of give you an idea of of where my um, empathy muscles were stretched, um, and and that is in the in the idea of abortion, mm-hmm. um, you know, being pro life, being pro or being pro choice. Um, I. I when my son was, diff- we were going through some difficulties with our son, and the junior high pastor at our church came to us and said, I have given him chance after chance, and all he does is bite me in the butt. Your family needs to leave this church. And just like that, we were aborted from the body of Christ. And my family was no longer welcome. Now, while that was just a church and not the whole body of Christ, we experienced it again a couple of years later at a different church. And again, we were aborted. And so that started me thinking, wait a minute, what does this pro-life thing really look like? Mm -hmm. Um, Are we just pro-baby or do we love them, you know, do we love children from from birth all the way to adulthood? And when we, in the Christian faith, you know, those of you who might not be familiar with the Christian faith, you stand up and you dedicate your baby uh, to the Lord. And you do that in front of the church. And when you dedicate your child, you are asking the church to come alongside of you and kind of help in the raising up of that child. So when you instead have them saying, you are not worthy of life, you are not worthy of being a part of this body, right? well then that, that changes your value. It changes right. your perception of right. God, right. of the church, right. of your personal value. All of that gets very skewed when you are aborted from, because we call it the body of Christ. So if you're going to abort full-grown living people because they are an inconvenience or because they are difficult, but at the same time tell women that they can't abort a baby because it is inconvenient or you know, difficult or may have some sort of disability, um, that seems hypocritical to me. Yeah, I would say. And when that... It's pretty clear. It seems pretty clear to me. And um, instead of receiving that point of view and saying, oh gosh, I can see how you would think that. Mm -hmm. Um, I have been told you are unforgiving. Well, I'm, I'm... Listen, you can forgive and not be in relationship with somebody. That is right. You know, Um, I I remember I, you know, it's interesting in the podcast that just went up earlier this week, we talked about dreams Mm -hmm. and we talked about a a dream that I had about water coming up and me not being able to get back the way I came because water had come up and, and closed my path. And you had said, 
I think it means that we can't go back, yeah. you know? Yeah. And I immediately thought about that church experience because when the new pastor came to that church, I thought, I want to go back. I want to see if things are different. different. Mm-hmm. I miss my people. I yeah. want to I go back. Mm-hmm. And let me tell you what, going back was a bad idea. <laughs> um, it was a bad idea. And yeah. there was so much vitriol. Mm-hmm. Um, but one of the things I experienced when I went back was watching that junior high pastor who had done that to my child retire and he stood up in front of the church and the pastor said to him, do you have anything to say in your retirement? And he said, never give up on a child. Oh my God. I never gave up on a child. Even kids whose own parents gave up on them. I never gave up. And I thought, you hypocrite. And I wanted to scream at the top of my lungs and march up onto that stage and, and say, and tell my story. Right. Right. And say, this is what it feels like to be given up on in your time of the biggest needs and the biggest crisis, right. you know? So that is where we as, you know, Christians have been, have lost our way and and yet, we also are telling people, because you're a Christian, you need to vote this way. Right, right. And I am really struggling with that disconnect. I, I can understand. I can understand why. I think, you know, the further and further away you get from an experience like that, the easier it will be. But it still brings up, obviously, a lot of pain. And I, I don't, I don't know... Again, why couldn't that guy have stopped and thought, huh, I wonder what could possibly be going on <laughs> with, this, with child. this child or with this family, with yeah. this family. Yeah. Huh. I wonder if there could be more than just whatever I'm perceiving is on the surface. Right. Huh. I wonder what it would mean if I would invest invest yeah and And how cool would it have been is when he retired if he had said you know i have grown so much as a person and i've made some mistakes along the way and i'm so grateful for having the opportunity to grow and mature as a person and as a leader instead he made this very um this very egotistical kind of proclamation about himself mm-hmm. and about who he was and those can be very dangerous for all of all us all of us that's right all of us that's when right. we think we know the answers right. that can be so dangerous well you know back to our election and i'm thinking of you know the whole dancing with skeletons and you know how this relates to having skeletons in our closet but i think for me um, I mean, I grew up in a hippie house, right? which I've said before on this podcast. And so it's probably pretty easy to figure out, you know, if I'm which way I'm leaning left or right. And I'm definitely <laughs> I'm definitely more a left leaner. <laughs> but it's been hard for me to express that. It's mm-hmm. been hard for me to to be open about what it is that I do really believe about what I believe politically and stuff because I spent 30 years of my life in the evangelical church Mm -hmm. and most of the people in the evangelical church are more right leaners Mm -hmm. and 
good, bad, whatever. It, it just is what it is. Right. And that's just really the truth. And there are all kinds of good people, all right and left and everything in between. So this is not to say that one is better or the other. I'm just suggesting that that's, I am more of a lefty. Right, right, <laughs> and, right. And it's been hard for me to engage honestly with people who I know we have this, we share the same faith, but we're so uh, opposed politically. And I, I want to be able to have those conversations so that I understand what's going on. And I think mm-hmm. we also talked about, um, you know, we both listen to um, a gentleman here in, in our town, a podcast that he does, and how he was suggesting that, you know, just for a minute, we turn off the whatever it is that we normally listen to and listen to the other side yeah. for a few minutes yeah. or a few hours and just listen. Spend it's, a week. Spend a week. And if you if you always yeah. listen to Fox, spend a week with CNN or ABC or something that's even in the middle. You don't have to go all the exactly. way over to CNN. Just listen to something else for a week. Yeah, and just try to get a picture because, for example... You know, I, again, being more of a lefty, listen to, you know, NBC or whatever. Mm -hmm. And it amazes me how many people that I know who are more on the right didn't hear certain things in the news regarding our president. Mm -hmm. Um, They just, they had never heard that. Right. Where it's like, wait a minute, it was all over the news, but... I guess on Fox News, it wasn't. Mm-hmm. So then for me, it's like, well, which one is the truth? Because Why? the president then will say, that was fake news. That's yeah, fake media. Yeah. And, and, and the people who have listened to Fox will then say, well, that's fake media. That's fake news. Right. And and so then you're caught in this, uh, well, well, wait a minute. Wait what, a minute. Was it fake? What? Was it? Right. And I, I, I feel like, you know, on the one hand, I have this particular character trait where I feel like I can kind of see the big picture, which is can be really good, but it also can be hard for me to really figure out what I really think because I can see his opinion and I can see hers and I can understand both. And so, well, which one do I think? And I've, I've always struggled with that in all kinds of areas of my life of figuring out what my own opinions are, right. you know, and I see that it's so hard for people to make honest, intelligent decisions about what to listen to and what to believe. Right. It's really, really tricky. And so we have to kind of go in internal and figure out, okay, what are my values? What candidate aligns with my, my values? And, and is that candidate being honest or not or you know I mean how do we discern all that it's hard it's very hard and I was always very right-leaning ultra conservative um the heritage foundation you know the church is not supposed to tell you who to vote for Mm -hmm. but the heritage foundation would put together voting um like books voting uh you know guides on what to vote yeah and then they would leave them in the lobby of the church and when I was a young mom, we would get together with family members and bring that voting guide, and we would go through and, and we would mark our little, you know, <laughs> yeah. our little pre-ballot so that we could make sure that we were voting according to what the Heritage Foundation told us. Well, I've never heard of that before. How? 
ridiculous is that? Well, you're not, now you don't have to think about anything because you're just going by what? Right. Right. You're just going by what they tell you to yeah. do. And, and whoever so they, they are. are. That's right. <laughs> and so that ha- that became kind of a safety for us. It was like, oh, we're, you know, we are, we are conservative Christians and the conservative Christian think tank this is, has decided right. that this is the way to vote in order to keep our country, you know, going the way it's supposed to. Right. And now I look back and I think, gosh, I was so, I was so, you know, stunted from from thinking for myself. Mm-hmm. And it was only through some very, very traumatic experiences like this experience with the church and that junior high pastor that got me kind of out of that bubble mm-hmm. and started just thinking for myself. Well, a lot of times it does take traumatic things to make us open our eyes and shift us and stuff. Yeah. <laughs> so, and that's not a bad thing. No, it's so not. It's that's not. one of the reasons, in fact, that we even started this podcast was to say, hey, dancing with your skeletons mm-hmm. and taking them out and saying, hey, what have I learned from that experience right. is so pick and healthy. Yeah, it is. <laughs> and, and, and exciting yeah. to look back and say, gosh. And, you know, not beat yourself up and say, I was such an idiot Right. You know, in 1985. That's just, that's just where you were at. That's just where I was. That's just where and you were at. it came from a place of, of absolute, authentic desire to mm-hmm. be, you know, everything that I was supposed to be. Right. And to right. be the best wife and the best mom and the best this and the best that. Right. And so it didn't come from a bad place. And that's what I tell myself as I look at these various um things that are get passed around on social media mm-hmm. is I say, wait a minute, I know that when I said this, this, and this, it was coming from a good place. Right. It was coming from a desire to be my best self and for this country to be the best country. Yep. And I wanted to be a part of that. So I need to remind myself that even though this person is saying really ugly things both to me personally or to right uh, or that I find offensive they are probably coming from a place of fear mm-hmm. or honest hope for a better future right i mean one of those two places right right you know right sometimes we're afraid or sometimes we're just very hopeful one of those two things kind of motivates us right that's right I don't know, Liz. I don't know what the answer is. You know, we started, we wanted to do this special edition, you know, kind of pre-election, I guess, thoughts and and feelings and just kind of what's going on, you know, in all of that. And I don't think that there's really an answer, you know. Um, I think that the best we could say is just that to just to stop and, and, and listen and just really, really ask yourself what what your values are Mm -hmm. and, you know, and, and your values are things like, you know, what what's important to you, your family, you know, your friends, or I don't know, food. Yeah, <laughs> I don't right, know. Right, right, right. I mean, values can be, you, you know, they can be simple things or they can be deep things. But, you know, for me, it's things like kindness and, you know, caring for other people. And I don't know. I So I, I, I need to, I need to vote 
in accordance with what my values are. I and and I value other people and and I and I value other people's circumstances mm-hmm. and and what other people might be going through. Right. And I and I don't want to be a judgmental person, you mm-hmm. know, and that's a thing in my life that I've always really really tried. And so I don't you know, when you're making a decision, does it align with what my value system is? And I, yeah, and I, I think that for me, I just I really want us to get away from the false belief that this is a Christian nation because it was never meant to be. Nope. And um, perhaps we need to get away from in, intertwining a, a Christian nationalism and Christianity right. a, in the same cloth because they're not one in the no. same. And it, I think this is safe to say that Jesus wasn't a Christian. Right. Nor nor was he a Republican. I no. mean, he really didn't, or a no. Democrat. I mean, he really didn't, there was no political leaning, no. you know. There, were, there weren't Christians then. Right. <laughs> right. Exactly. There were not even Christians. Uh-uh. Yeah. And you know? a, a friend of mine told me a story that I just found really kind of heart-wrenching. And if you if you grow up in America and you grow up in the Christian church, you know that the American flag has almost always flown on the stages of our churches. Yeah. I mean, for my whole life, yeah. I remember seeing it. I can see it. I can see it in my mind. Yeah. As a kid, I was a part of a Christian, you know, Boy Scout, Girl Scout kind of group. And we started out by saying the Pledge of Allegiance mm-hmm. at every one of our, you know, gatherings. Mm-hmm. And then we also, you know, sang Onward Christian Soldiers. And, you know, uh, mm-hmm. so it was all about both being a Christian soldier and being a, an Amer- a good American right. citizen. Right. Um, but a friend of mine told the story of um, a Canadian friend coming to visit her about 15 years ago. Uh, a Canadian Christian. She came to she came the to America. State, the states. She came to the okay. states to okay. visit her friend, mm-hmm. and they went to church together. And at in the church was the Christian cross wrapped in an American flag, with Yikes. the words, "By His stripes we are healed." Yikes! And this Canadian just said, "Are are you saying that Jesus died for Americans? And only Americans? And only Americans? I mean, she was so incredibly offended. And my friend said, it wasn't until she said something that I saw through her lens. Yeah, yeah. Seen through someone else's lens. Yeah. And I, like I said, I've been to Africa, and I know that they don't give a flip about the American flag, but they have committed to the cause of Christ in a way that I have rarely ever seen before. Um, I'm going to put some books and stuff in our show notes, but I just kind of wanted to encourage people, if you want to kind of listen or, mm-hmm. or or read more, there's books by David Kinnaman, who is the president of the Barna Group, very respected Christian organization. Mm-hmm. Church Pulse Weekly is a podcast um, that he has put together along with Carrie Newhoff, Newhoff that talks about um, the state of the church during the pandemic. Mm-hmm. And so I encourage you to listen to that. His books are a um, couple of great books that just opened my eyes and kind of opened my heart were the books Unchristian and You Left Me. Um, which are both uh, by David Kenneman, um, and or you lost me. Not I'm sorry, not you left me. You lost me, okay. which is why young people have left the church. Okay. And then um, unchristian, and then a book called um, 
The Hole in Our Gospel by Richard Stearns. Mm. And um, this is a book, basically the Hole in Our Gospel is serving others. Those 2,000 scriptures about serving others. Right, right. That is the hole in our gospel. Mm -hmm. And I will just tell you real quick uh, a story. I was in um, South Africa. I was reading this book while I was in South Africa. My daughter was driving and we took a long car trip from Johannesburg down to Cape Town. And I was reading about this church called the Fishhook Baptist Church who had a yearly, um, uh, uh, they spent about $200,000 a year operating their church. That included electricity. That was their budget for the year. Electricity, pastor, all Mm -hmm. of it. Sure. But then they had about a $1 million a year budget that went to their AIDS ministry. Wow. And there was a community right across the street from the Fishick Baptist Church that was filled with people suffering from AIDS. Mm-hmm. And they provided them with rides to the clinics, blankets, um, health care of any kind that they could get for them. Uh, they gave them condoms. No judgment. No, you know, just caring, just caring for, them. for them. And as I'm reading about this incredible ministry from the Fishhook Baptist Church, I realize that we are driving by the Fishhook Baptist that's, Church. That's just crazy. And I just, I started crying. Yeah, I, mean, I, I too. I was so overwhelmed. And what are the chances of that? What are the chances <laughs> are of the reading chances a of book that? by an American and being in the country that he's talking about at and the time? And driving and by. And driving it. by. <laughs> I'm telling you, I was, and my daughter's like, what is happening with you right now? And um, I think it's really important to remember that we can serve others. We don't have to put, you know, being an American first or being a Christian first, um, because honestly, just being a decent yeah, human be being. Be a lover of people Just first. being a lover of people, caring for those mm-hmm. that are in um, in a lesser position than mm-hmm. we are. Being pro-life from, from conception to death mm-hmm. is not a bad thing. No. Um, you know, just caring for one another in the best ways. Um, listen to people like Rob Bell. I was and, just going to say... And and Paul and Paul Swearingen, mm-hmm. who is the uh, non, it, he's got a, a blog and a website called the Nonpartisan Evan- Evangelical. Evangelical. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, uh, and then you said a book called Misquoting Jesus, mm-hmm, which I just I'm, I'm in chapter two, but I can already tell it's going to be one of these books that are going to be life changing because. So much of scripture has been interpreted over and over and over and. So there's, there's well, and it's so funny because there's scriptures like you know when God closes a door, He opens a window. Well, that's from the Sound of Music. It's yeah. not even <laughs> not from the Bible. Exactly. And yet we misquote it all the time. Right. right. So here, here's some big questions: Is Jesus a Republican? Is Jesus a Democrat? Is Jesus a political party? Um, is there a difference between praying for our leaders, which is what we're asked to do, mm-hmm. and aligning with them? Right. You know, is there a difference be- just because we pray for somebody? In fact, we're what are we supposed to do? What is what does the Bible tell us to do? It says to pray for our enemies. Yeah, it does. Uh, and that doesn't well, mean we accept them or align with and, them. And, and I'll tell you this too. Someone said, and I love this: casting a vote is not sending a Valentine. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Um, if you believe that God allows leaders to be put into place, could it be? 
that they've been put there to raise us up and to challenge us. And to stir us up. And to stir us up. Stir up the pot. (laughs) As opposed to... Uh, to to us just acquiescing to exactly. their every whim. Exactly. I believe that children are born to raise us up. Yeah. They are not born for us to teach and make little mirrors of ourselves. They come to raise us up and to teach us and to make us whole people. I'm, I'm with you. And I think the same thing is um, is true about leaders. Also, when we're putting things on Facebook or social media, um, encouraging people to vote a certain way, do we use fear-based motivation? Or love. Or love-based motivation. Mm -hmm. And I think if we love people, we can, it's only through love that we can change anybody. That's right. That's Um, right. And I I don't want to say, I'm loving you because I want to change you. I just want to love unconditionally. And guess what? I'm the one that's changed. That's right. I'm the I one was that's just changed. Gonna, I and was for just the gonna, good. I was just going to say that. It's like for, forgiving is for you. Yeah. Not necessarily for the person who you're forgiving, but it's for you. Yeah. It, because it gives freedom for you. And loving is for you. Yeah, it's for you. You know? So, so so go and love. Go and go and serve. Go and vote. And it, either way, it doesn't matter. But Please don't vote from a place of fear. Mm-hmm. Vote from a place of honest um, evaluation mm-hmm. for for what is inside of your, your what your values your are. values mm-hmm. your values. Yeah. yeah, yeah. All right. Well, we're only a couple days away. We're only a couple days away. Yeah, go <laughs> so, vote. Yeah, go right. vote. Thanks, everybody. Thank and you. listen, we love you. No matter who you vote for, we love you, and we are totally. here to serve you. That's right. We are lovers. We're going to dance. Yep. Yep. All right. I'll see you next week. See you next week.